Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, we're going to continue our replay of the series we did last year called Different. Really excited. I got a good message for you guys today. Go and turn my mic down just a little bit if you would, Brian. I can hear it ringing a little bit up here. But in case you don't know me, my name's Kate. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we're here to help you know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. Bottom line is, this is a place to come get equipped to go out and make a difference for the kingdom of God. That's why we're here this morning, isn't it? Has everybody got their expectation in the right place? Are you here to get equipped? To go out this week, right, and make a difference for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Before we get into the message today, I want to remind you of what we're after this year. This year is all about team. Ah, I love to hear that. It's all about team. It's what we can accomplish together for the kingdom of God. So when you find yourself doing something by yourself this year, ding, 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 an alarm should go off in your head. Wait, I'm doing this by myself. Let me find a way to go engage a team to help me out, right? So no more of this, you know, well, I just... I just don't want to bother people. Anybody? (laughs) Robin. Robin says, I do. If you have that mindset, well, I just don't want to bother people. Let's go talk to Robin. She'll talk you out of it. But listen to me. Stop making the decision for people. I have to tell Beth this. I'm sorry. She's got to tell on you all the time. Stop making decisions for people. Just ask them and let them make the decision for themselves. If you need some help, go ask somebody and let them say yes or no. Are you guys cool with being honest in here, right? Somebody can tell you no, and we're not going to hate them. We're not going to be mad at them. So it's, this is a safe place to go ask people to do things. So remember that Jesus pursued team, and it probably would have been much easier for him to do it without the disciples, because they weren't exactly the easiest group of people to work with. But yet he chose to work as a team, even an imperfect team. So let's follow his example. All right, so let's get into the message for today. I want to talk to you guys about how to overcome deception. What you'll learn today from the Word of God will enable you to discern truth from lies. Jesus warned us that in the last days, some people or people would be calling good evil and evil good. Anybody read that scripture before? And I don't think you have to look very far to figure out that's exactly where we're at (laughs) right now. And since we're living in the age of great deception, we must understand how to discern truth from lies. And actually, it's really simple. So I'm just going to go ahead and spoil my message today, give you the punchline right at the beginning. To escape deception, Pursue God's will above all else. Simple. In John chapter 7, Jesus teaches us that when we're pursuing God's will, we will know if what we hear is truth or lies. Take a look. So Jesus told them, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or merely my own. Simple. Anyone who truly wants to do the will of God will know what's of God and what's not of God. If we put God first, we're not going to get caught up in the deception. That's such good news. This is why I only listen to people who are pursuing God's will. That's my strategy. I don't care how expert they are, how educated they are, how popular they are. If they don't publicly elevate God above themselves, they tell more lies than they do truth, y'all. And I don't know what they mean to. They just do. Most of our government and media is full of people who elevate themselves above God. I've never heard Dr. Fauci elevate God. Anybody? Maybe you can correct me. 
I've never heard Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, George Stephanopoulos, Lady Gaga. I mean, the list could go on. I've never heard any of them elevate God. They've convinced us that we should listen to them because they're so expert. They're so educated. They're so experienced. And they're so popular. Well, not everybody on that list is popular. But notice all those things have to do with elevating self. All of them. Our country is being led by those who are spiritually blind because they're elevating themselves above God. And you know, when you're deceived, you don't even know it. That's why it's called deception. So that's why you got to guard yourself from deception by ignoring all those people that I just mentioned and look to God, look to him. This often leads to the argument, well, Cade, you know, we're not supposed to judge people. I mean, we shouldn't say such things about these popular people. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. If you think that we're, we aren't supposed to judge the things around us, you've just told on yourself. You don't really study the scriptures. You're just telling on yourself. Jesus never told us not to judge anyone anytime for any reason. He never said that. What he told us was, hey, judge yourselves first so you can see clearly to judge the things around you. That's what he said. And I've explained this many times here at church, but if you're struggling to understand it, just go read Matthew chapter 7. You're going to come to the same conclusion. We are here to judge with righteous judgment. That's our assignment. We don't sit back while the government passes laws that promote sin and suppress righteousness. No, we get involved. We speak the truth with love. We invade government, education, business, entertainment with the kingdom of God. We show up as the army of God and we destroy evil. There's only one thing I want to correct that Chris said up here a while ago. He said, we're trying to do these things. We're not trying. It's already done. We're more than conquerors. I know you know that, man. We just say things sometimes without even thinking about what we said. We ain't trying to do this. We're going to do this. It's done. We're more than conquerors. We're training to do it. That's good, Talon. Good stuff. Man. You know, for us to once again become one nation under God... There's two main things that have to happen in this season that we're in right now. Some people aren't going to like this, but we got to know. Number one is we got to overturn Roe versus Wade. We have to. A nation under God does not permit abortion. It's simple. And number two, we have to overturn gay marriage. Not that, it's not that we hate them. That's not the point I'm trying to say. But a nation under God does not promote sexual perversion. It can't. Y'all, we can't just stay silent about this stuff anymore. If we do, the destruction of this nation is on our hands. The, the blood of this nation is on our hands if we don't do anything. Speak the truth in love. Ask God what you can do to disciple this nation. Because he'll give you an assignment. Because he needs your help. <laughs> he can't do this without you. So after all this talk about righteous judgment in John chapter 7, Jesus uses a real life example in the very next chapter to drive it all home. He wants to make sure that we get this. And this is a story you've probably heard before, but I hope you see something new in it today. And the story starts with Jesus. He goes to the temple early one morning, and as usual, people come to join him, so he takes the opportunity to teach. And then right there, in the middle of the church service that they're having that morning, the Pharisees do something very odd. They bring in a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And then they said, hey, Jesus, the law of Moses says to stone her to death because of her sin. What do you say? And they were trying to use this woman to trap Jesus into saying something that could be used against him. Y'all remember when the same technique was used in 2020 to get you to say something stupid about racism? Y'all remember that? Or too far away? I saw Beth the other day. I'm like, 2020 and 2021 just like mesh into the same year. I'm just not even sure which, which was which anymore whenever I think back. But you know, back then, if you said the wrong thing, you were racist. If you didn't say anything at all, you were racist. I mean, you couldn't win, right? You were racist. 
Well, I wish that I would have visited this story back then because Jesus shows us how to handle a situation like this. What did Jesus do whenever he was asked this tough question? What did he do? He stooped down and he began to write in the dirt. He didn't give in to the pressure to respond immediately. He didn't start yelling at him. He didn't run off in intimidation. He didn't do any of that. He took a step back to consult his father to get the right response. How many of you have found out that when you're upset, if you just take time to take your frustrations before God, you usually have a better response afterwards? (laughs) And while Jesus was riding on the ground, they kept badgering him for a response. What are you going to say, Jesus? What are you going to say, Jesus? And even so, he didn't respond until he was ready. And then here's what he finally said. He who is without sin among you, throw the first stone. Genius. Come on, Jesus. That is good. He's always so sly, so wise in his response. He could disarm a tense discussion in no time by saying something that would literally stun everybody who is listening. They're like, well, what? How does he come up with these responses? And this reveals something about following Jesus. To follow Jesus, I must respond slowly. Don't respond with the first thing that comes to mind. Lord, no. Don't respond when you're pressured to respond. Instead, take time to write your thoughts down and allow God to put together the right response. Listen to me. You still have to respond. Some people use this as an excuse. Well, I just don't need to say anything. You still have to respond, but you respond with the right thing by taking your time to get the right response. This must be what James was talking about when he said, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That's exactly what Jesus did. He still spoke up, but he took his time. And I'm sure he, got, he could have got upset about how the Pharisees just interrupted his church service, how they embarrassed this woman in front of everybody. He could have been really upset and just blown off of the handle, right? But he took his time and he delivered the most amazing response. Hey, whoever is without sin, go ahead. Throw that first stone. And what happened? The room got silent. And they began to walk away one at a time. I guess nobody was without sin. And finally, it was just Jesus and this woman left in the room. And so now she's one-on-one with the one who is without sin. And what does he say to her? I don't condemn you either. Your sin, really not a big deal. I know you're only human, so just try not to do it anymore. Yeah, that's not Jesus. And it sounds kind of silly whenever you say it out loud, but that's how so many Christians interpret this story. They think, well, Jesus, Jesus, you know, didn't stone the woman caught in adultery. My sin's not as bad as hers, so it's really not a big deal. What a destructive way of thinking. Why are we so obsessed with trying to bend Scripture to make sin okay? Shouldn't we instead be searching Scripture to find, find out how to find freedom from sin? Come on, let's get it right. So let's look at what Jesus actually says to this woman. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't condemn us for our sin. Man, that's good news if I've ever heard it. But he also doesn't give us the excuse to keep on sinning. (laughs) He says, go and sin no more. I freed you. So you don't got to do that anymore. He didn't say, do your best not to sin or stay away from the big sins. Or don't worry about it. Every now and then's okay. No, that's not what he said at all. Jesus says, sin no more. No more. B 
Be done with it. Get away from it. Be free from the bondage of sin. Why? Because Jesus gives us the power to do so. He does. This is really like a two-edged sword. Jesus takes his sword, right? And he cuts off the condemnation. Wacha! And then he brings it back around and he cuts off the sin. Wacha! You don't have to have either of them. It's awesome. Don't accept the counterfeit. The counterfeit frees you from condemnation so you can be free to sin if you want to. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus freed you from condemnation and he also freed you from sin. And this reveals something else about following Jesus. To follow Jesus, I must advocate freedom from sin. I don't condemn them. I don't fuss at them. I don't reject them. I don't lie to them either. I don't advocate for their sin and tell them it's okay. Instead, I speak the truth in love. I lead them to Jesus, and I have those hard conversations with them while trusting God that even though these things are hard to hear, it'll lead them into freedom. Even though they might get mad at me for a moment, it'll lead them into freedom. And in case you're having a hard time wondering, is this really the right approach? I mean, American Christianity hasn't been doing this for quite some time. Does Jesus really want us to lead people out of sin? Well, Jesus makes it very clear for us in the very next verse. He says, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And at this point, of course, the Pharisees pipe up. It's quite predictable now that they will always have a rebuttal to what Jesus is teaching. This is nothing new this time. They try to get people to believe that Jesus is not the Son of God. That was their agenda. I'm really starting to feel sorry for the Pharisees at this point. They've seen Jesus do miracles. They've heard his amazing teaching. Y'all, they walked with Jesus in the flesh. They saw him face to face. And yet they were still bent on elevating their own knowledge over Jesus. This still goes on today. Wow. (laughs) You mean we still got Pharisees today? People learn in college that sexual perversion should be a protected right. And then they convince themselves that the Bible was mistranslated when it comes to homosexuality. God's really okay with it. Oh, you just told on yourself again. You clearly don't study the scriptures. It's sad because millions of people are living in bondage because they don't know how to discern truth from lies. They don't know how to do it. And it's because they would rather pursue their own will than God's will. That's it. That's it. And regarding the Pharisees, I think Jesus had enough at this point. Because he's about to say something that the permissive, soft American church just wouldn't like. He tried to be nice. He tried to share the truth through stories. But now he's just going to lay it out there plain and clear. He says, I said to you that you're going to die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That's the plain truth. Let me sum it up for you. If you choose not to believe in Jesus, you will die in your sins. You will go to hell. But if you choose to believe in Jesus, you will be free from your sins and receive eternal life. And when Jesus delivered this plain truth to the Pharisees, they were quite stunned, as you can imagine. Whoa! And the only response they had was, who are you? Who are you anyways? Who are you? This was like the hundredth time they'd asked Jesus, who are you? And so he told him again, I am the son of God. I was sent by the father and I only do the things that please him for the hundredth time. At this point, I'm starting to wonder why Jesus spends so much time arguing with the Pharisees. Clearly, they're not going to get it. So why does Jesus keep arguing with the Pharisees? Well, here's why. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Ah, Jesus was arguing with the Pharisees not to convince them, but everybody else who was listening. Mm. 
I've had my fair share of arguments on Facebook. I didn't buy into the hype of the pandemic. I didn't buy into the hype that everybody's racist. And because I don't follow the crowd, they just don't like me. That's been the story of my life, though. They didn't like me in high school either, so I'm used to it. Don't feel bad for me. It's not that I don't think there's a virus or there aren't racial tensions or issues that need to be solved. It's just I take time to hear from God. What does he want my response to be instead of doing what everybody else is doing? And it turns out this makes you quite unpopular on social media. So every time I post something contrary to the mainstream school of thought, there's plenty of people who show up for a comment fight. Hey, where y'all been? Welcome to my Facebook page. And there have been many of these threads that I didn't steward well. I found myself trying to defend my reputation rather than defending the truth. And that's when it went south. And you know the emotional trauma of trying to defend your reputation? It's heavy. And it got so heavy that I finally went silent for a while, and I needed to go silent so that I could learn how to share the truth without having to defend my reputation. But in my silence, the Holy Spirit was leading me not to stay silent, but to learn to share the truth without concern of what other people thought of me for it. And this is a challenging thing to do, because just like you guys, I want people to like me. I'm not out there trying to make people upset. A lot of people think that I am these days, that I just wrote my book to make people upset. It's like, that was not my motivation. (laughs) And on top of this, the arguments never get anywhere. I mean, I had some clever responses, y'all. I mean, they were good. I'd write them out, I'd be like, man, bam, that's like a good response. And then it still wouldn't get anywhere. It still did not convince them. It's just back and forth, back and forth with no resolution. And when you look at the outcome, you think, you know, maybe I just shouldn't say anything. Yep, maybe I just shouldn't say anything. But what if Jesus would have backed down from the Pharisees? What would have happened to all the people who were listening? With all the arguments between Jesus and the Pharisees, Jesus never convinced them, but there were always people who were listening, and they believed because of what they heard in this argument between Jesus and the Pharisees. So when you defend the truth on Facebook or anywhere else, the person you argue with may never be convinced. But there are many others who read your conversation, and they believe because you took a stand for the truth. They may never tell you. They're not going to comment. They're not going to like because they don't want to be tied into that, but they're reading And it's helping them. So from Jesus arguing with the Pharisees over and over again, here's what we learn. To follow Jesus, I must keep on speaking the truth. Keep on speaking the truth. So I don't know if you follow me on social media or not, but this is what I do. I just keep on. (laughs) Keep on speaking the truth. And I've been at it so long that most of my accusers gave up on me. They just gave up. It's uh, pretty quiet these days. And it's funny because, you know, when you write a message like this, you just open up the door for things to happen in your life. And so this morning, let's see, I had an email from somebody telling me how they could, uh, how can I get this trash back to you? Because they've got my book. I was like, throw it in the trash. You don't need to send it back to me. And then I had a, it was a Facebook message, I think. I was like, I don't need your white supremacy in my house or whatever. I'm like, clearly you didn't read the book, but okay. I hadn't got a message like that in a while. So, you know, but I write. A sermon like this, and the enemy's like, let's see if he's bothered by this still or not. And I'm, I'm not. I just responded and moved on. But now you know, I'm, I'm the guinea pig for you guys. You get quite a bit of opposition at first. I'll just tell you my story. You get quite a bit of, I mean, all your friends are just like, who is this who starts speaking the truth? And how dare they? But it eventually fades away. They give up on you. <laughs> 
But all kidding aside, you really need to get this today. We've got to learn how to discern truth from lies. Jesus already told you how to do it. Simply pursue God, put his will above your own, and you will always know what the truth is. He even says it another way to make sure you get it. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Abide in his word, love his word. Instead of reading the news, read his word. Instead of listening to people who don't elevate God, listen to people who do elevate God. When you seek God first above all else, above your pastor, above what you read on social media, above what you hear on the news, above Dr. Fauci even, then you're going to know the truth and the truth will set you free. Seek God first. Put him first. So interestingly, Jesus was saying this scripture right here to a group of people who already believed in him. And so you'd think they would receive this word with gladness. Like if Jesus came and he said this, hey, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We'd all be like, yes, amen. So you'd expect that from these people because they believed in Jesus too. But how did they respond? They were upset. How could you say we're in bondage? How could you say we need to be made free? That was their response. They were upset with Jesus. And so many Christians are in the same predicament. They don't even realize they need freedom because they're so caught up in themselves. They don't even realize it. They think that because they're part of the woke crowd, they've already found freedom. I'm sorry to break it to you. Okay, actually, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry at all. But taking the boundaries off of sex is not freedom. It's not. Getting everyone to support your sin is not freedom. Submitting to the LGBTQ agenda is not freedom. Requiring people to wear masks and get vaccines is not freedom. None of that's freedom. Choosing a different gender is not freedom. Because the truth is the only thing that sets you free. It's only when you know the truth that you are truly free. And we want it to become more comp- we want it to be more complicated than it really is to know what truth is. We want a sophisticated solution. But there's only one solution. Abide in God's word. Love his word, spend time in his word, follow his word. And Jesus tells us over and over again. He tells us this over and over again. I tell you this over and over again. The word of God is truth. The only way you can discern truth from lies is in the word of God. The only way to truly know God is through the word of God. And that's why Jesus says this, most assuredly, I say to you, if anybody keeps my word, he shall never see death, meaning you will live for eternity. In other words, you can't just hear his word and read his word. You have to do his word, keep his word. And after Jesus was done explaining this to everyone, they weren't exactly excited about his message. So they picked up stones to throw at him. They had full intention of killing him after this message. Maybe you feel the same way about me right now. If you had something to throw at me, you would. Well, I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear. You can go anywhere for that. There's even plenty of fake pastors who care more about your approval than they do God's approval. And that should scare you when somebody wants your approval more than they want God's approval. But that's not me. My assignment as your pastor is to lead you into all truth. I'm here to protect you from the enemy's attempts to kill, steal, and destroy, to deceive you. And I care about you too much to hide the truth, even when it hurts, even when it makes you mad. I'm going to tell you the truth. You're welcome. That's what Jesus did. Days and days, days and days of sharing the truth, yet they still weren't getting it. The deception was so thick, they couldn't even see truth standing right in front of them. Jesus was right in front of them, and they couldn't see truth. But Jesus didn't give up on them. He taught them first, and now he's going to use a miracle to demonstrate what he was talking about. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, 
this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? I like your giggle, Amy, because you know where this is going. What a ridiculous question. Who sinned? This man or his parents causing him to be born blind? Y'all, this man was born blind. He didn't even have a chance to sin yet before he was born blind. And they're asking if this man caused his own sin. I guess it could have been his parents, but let's look at what Jesus says. You're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. How many of you, when you get sick, you start wondering, what did I do to deserve this sickness? Anybody want to be brave and, yeah, you've been there, done that? Stop that nonsense. That's just one of the lies that the enemy uses to keep you sick. When it comes to sin, all you have to do is turn away from it, receive forgiveness, and then it's like it never happened. Like it never happened. Seriously, even if you smoked all your life, you end up with lung cancer, turn from your sin, receive forgiveness, and then receive healing too. Jesus will still heal you. Even when it's your fault, Jesus still wants to heal you. He does. You just have to believe. But you can't truly believe if you believe that you're sick because God's trying to punish you. That's a lie. Shake it off. So Jesus comes up on a man who had been blind from birth. Not his fault. Not his parents' fault. But let's see what God can do. So Jesus spits on the dirt. Makes some mud. Anoints the man's eyes with this mud and tells him to go wash it off. Keep in mind, this man has no idea who Jesus is at this point. From his perspective, this is just some strange man rubbing spit mud on his eyes. Drake, you were telling me about this story. I think it's last week. I'm not going to give you a live example. Actually, come on up, Drake. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but as strange as it is, this man's obedient. <laughs> Why would, he, why would he even listen? To, uh, it's just amazing. He goes and washes off the mud and comes back completely healed. He'd never seen before, but now he can see clearly. It's amazing. And when I was studying for this message, the Holy Spirit opened my spiritual eyes to understand the layers of meaning in this story, in this miracle. The blind man represents pe- the people that he had been sharing the truth with, but they couldn't see truth because they were spiritually blind. The mud represents the flesh. And the reason these people were so deceived is because they were so caught up in this physical world. Today, this would be like the person who gets up just in time for work. They rush to work. They hurry through the day. They get home exhausted. They sit down on the couch and watch the news or something on Netflix or their favorite reality show. They go to bed and they do the same thing tomorrow. When the, the mud represents the flesh, when you're so caught up in this life that you don't prioritize God, instead of seeking him first, you seek him occasionally when you have time for it. And now you have this layer of mud over your eyes that keeps you from discerning truth. And the water represents God's word. When you wash yourself with the word of God, you come back seeing. It washes away the mud. The word of God washes away the cares of this life, and all of a sudden you can see clearly. And this is what Jesus is inviting you to do today. Wash the mud off your eyes so that you can see. In other words, to follow Jesus, I must wash with his word. Let me tell you what's going to happen if you decide to do this. You'll lose your desire to do those destructive things to your walk with God. You'll kind of lose interest in the petty things of life. And your desire will be God's will above all else. Washing with the water of God's word is going to enable you to see your God-given purpose with clarity. You'll see it. You'll no longer be wandering around without purpose. You'll know. 
God's assignment for you. This is where I'm going next. This is what he has for me. So Jesus is inviting you to wash the mud off your eyes so that you can see. If this is something that you desire, I want you to stand today just to show that you're committing yourself to washing with God's word. So if that's you, go ahead and stand. God, we're making a decision today to commit ourselves to washing with your word, to loving your word, to reading your word, to doing your word, to elevating your word above everything else. And God, we just want to thank you for your word today. What a gift that you've given us, that you've preserved it through all these years, thousands of years, countless people trying to destroy it, and it's still here for us to wash and to see who you are and what you want to do in our lives. Thank you so much for joining us, and a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.